Rain, 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 beautiful rain. Rain, 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 beautiful rain. Oh, come to us. Oh, come to us. Oh, come to us. Beautiful rain. I'm an insane sexual shadow witch and my name is Lacey Free and I'm the fucking host of Horpod. Welcome to Horpod. I am with one of the most amazing witches that's ever existed. And she hates that I'm telling you guys that. <laughs> I Ever since I started Horpod, I have wanted Rosie to be a guest on it. Rosie is a magnificent, magical midwife and death doula, death worker, birth worker, herbalist. What else are you? Mother? (laughs) Anything else? So many other things. (laughs) I don't know. A human in this world, sex worker, so many things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm lucky enough right now to be on Rosie's land and her land is backed up against a mountain that backs up against the national forest and this evening we walked up the mountain with rosie's goats and she has three generations of goats so the grandparents the new parents and the grandbabies yeah (laughs) and as you were walking up the mountain you found yarrow do you like yarrow? Yeah, I have a tattoo of it on my leg. It's one of my favorite plants. <laughs> Why do you have a tattoo of it? Um, I got it when I was like a young teenager and going through a lot. And yarrow came to me in a dream and told me all about its medicine. And so I decided that that was the one, that that medicine was what I wanted in my space all the time. And it was just what I was embodying. And I also just love it. Like I'm from this area and I feel like it's, 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 grows everywhere but it also felt like a real home plant to me like when I see yarrow I feel home which is lucky because it grows everywhere (laughs) so I met Rosie in a philosophy class in college and it was sort of a weird philosophy class I don't honestly (laughs) remember a lot about it except that I feel like I have this memory and I don't know if it's a real memory if I make it up but I and I've talked about this before because we did an episode on our Patreon my Patreon and we did that episode right at the start of COVID and we talked a lot about death but in this 
philosophy class, I just have this memory of the philosophy teacher, like, being in love with you or being sort of creepy. (laughs) (laughs) And I have such a gorgeous memory of Rosie walking in with a long, flowy skirt and dirty bare feet (laughs) not much has changed (laughs) (laughs) nope and I like it just that way but um I had done a poem for some philosophy assignment and poetry was always like my excuse in school like when we had to do big like speeches or some sort of assignment I can write a poem in like five minutes and it's sort of how (laughs) I channel so when I don't want to do my homework I just like write a poem to express it and afterwards I sat with you and you're like I'm going to the border to do birth and I was like really and I and you talked to me all about midwifery And it's the first time I had really heard of midwifery in that way. And I just could feel the magic exuding from your pores. And you weren't boasting about it. You just spoke so matter of fact. And I had only spent a few days with you, I think, in that class. It wasn't like the whole semester because you left early to go do birth. But you fucking left that class and I could never get you out of my mind. For the rest of my existence, you felt like, I was like, is she real? Is she a spirit (laughs) guide that came in to tell me about birth? Because really, that one conversation, it felt like it pivoted or changed the trajectory for me and I became way more obsessed with birth which got me more into herbs and I trained as a birth doula but you just disappeared after that well disappeared from (laughs) my realm and it was 10 or so years later I did magic and I was like I wonder where that midwife is it'd be so cool to know her and I was walking down Colfax in Denver, and I went into the witch store, the herbs and arts store on Colfax, and you were working there. And I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> she exists. She is real. Hallelujah. And I was like, and then I like fangirled to you a little bit. And I was like, this bitch probably has no idea who I am. No, I totally remembered you. Yeah, you were like the poem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then so you did some spell candles for me and we've been friends ever since. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm very thankful to be speaking to you right now. And I feel like anyone who gets in contact with your magic feels a sense of reverence and I know you don't like when people say stuff like that but I can't help it with you because I think it's important that we honor and worship the people we love and thyself and I feel an immense amount of gratitude to share any reverence or worship for you Tell us about birth, Rosie. <laughs> what do you want to know about birth? And sex work. You do sex work, you do birth and death. Yeah, all the human stuff. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Why? I feel like that's just what is in front of me. I feel like I, when I was like eight years old, I remember casting a circle out in the back 
in the yard of where we were living and being seeing the full moon and realizing I could shift the clouds around the moon with how I danced and I was dancing and was just so in reverence of the moon that I was like goddess like let me be your tool you know like I'll just do whatever you want but like let it go good for me you know like use me and like make the road open and I feel like it's just been like hard running since then in a good way like I've become I just do what's in front of me and those are the three things that have fallen in my in my path as like a autonomous adult <laughs> it's been those things and those works and so I don't know that I have chosen them or exactly why I do them part of me is like maybe I'm not totally human and the earth is like here's the human experience <laughs> that's what I'm, it's right in front of me so that's what I do yeah I think it's really interesting how you bring up that maybe it chose you mm-hmm. and you didn't choose it. Yeah. Because I feel that way all the time. Yeah. Sometimes people book readings with me just to ask me how to become a reader or how to do what I'm doing now. And I'm like, I have no fucking idea. Because <laughs> it feels like the 3D Lacey stumbles upon these weird fucking jobs. I don't even feel (laughs) like I chose to be a birth doula. I feel like you planted that seed. And then a few years later, I ended up at the hospital in Denver Mm -hmm. in a program. And I feel like when you open up to spirit, it just chooses you. Exactly. And And I feel like sort of a tumbleweed rolling down a mountain sometimes. Right. Yep. But I can hear, sometimes I feel like I can hear the people who listen. And I love that. Like, I can feel the energy of it. And I don't know if that's because time isn't linear, so I can, like, sense the future timeline. Uh Or if if we're just kind of tapped into this collective energy. But as we're saying this, I can hear people be like, what the fuck? Like, I don't, I want to be a healer. I want to be this thing. And I feel like nothing's choosing me. What would you say to them? I mean, I'd say that they probably already are and just aren't like recognizing what they're already doing in the world, right? Like we are all part of this big weave of energy and everybody has a part. And even the people that seem to be doing nothing really are holding so much space. So I feel like just relax into it and it'll just kind of keep happening as it needs to. Completely. I love that so much. I think we put such a weird emphasis on the person who's on the podcast Mm -hmm. or the oracle reader or the person who works at the witch store like they're (laughs) the real witch because they have this title but some of the most healing i did was in a cubicle at an architecture firm (laughs) i love that and yeah i think you're so right about people bringing the healing without actually having to put in the weird effort yeah there's something that always reminds me of you and it's the energy that people can affect the weather Hmm. with their own energy (laughs) because you're one of the first people I was around and I was like "Ooh, one of her superpowers is the weather (laughs) and I don't know if you actually agree with that or resonate but how do you feel about that I mean I've definitely caught some storms and stuff and I feel partially responsible for the big flood that was in Colorado (laughs) so I feel really like tentative about that Um, But I definitely, I don't know, I remember talking to an old medicine person a while ago who's Huichole, who's like from 
like central Mexico and they're like oh yeah it's humans responsibility to work with the weather like that's part of our our jobs in the world you know and so it's just like yeah and they're like yeah some people are better at it you know some people are weather workers you know if you get hit by lightning you're probably really good at calling storms like that kind of thing but I feel like everybody has the power to call weather you just need to find out what you call um and like what you move and for me it's just like I live on the earth you know like I grow a lot of my own food and I harvest a lot of plants so when the earth is thirsty like of course I'm gonna call some rain and like you know I've learned some of the old songs and I've made up songs and I've learned to talk to the clouds and you know I've been blessed that the rain comes you know (laughs) so yeah I I just feel like everybody's got it you just gotta find what you call but I also just feel like if we start talking to those weather beings that they just start talking back and that's what it is you know that's so cool it's so interesting what you're saying about that it's our responsibility like it's our responsibility to have a relationship with the weather yeah what did you say exactly it's our responsibility to what I don't even remember but like that the weather is like part of our yeah it's part of our don it's part of like what we do in life you know so like if you're growing food and the hail's coming you cut the clouds and make it stop you know (laughs) or if it's a drought you call the rain and all life benefits from that when you're walking in a good way so totally why do you feel responsible for the Colorado flood? Uh, well, <laughs> I I was like, I love to sing and I was searching for a rain song and like I couldn't find anyone. Like I asked all the elders, all the medicine people, all the people I knew in Colorado and even not in Colorado, like what are the rain songs? And nobody knew any. And so I'd like make some up and we get like a little shower, but it was like a crazy drought. And I sent the boy that I was with, actually who lives with us now, but the, I sent the boy that I was with, he was in California and I was like, find me a rain song. And he did. And he was like, yeah, they say just to watch out with this one, you know? And, and I was like, okay, okay. Like, I'll, I'll only sing it like in great need. You mean like that? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I guess something like that. And so I, um, remember I was working at Wish Garden Herbs. I was the medicine maker there and I went out on the balcony that day and it was so hot and all the trees were thirsty and everything was wilting and I went out and I started singing that song and I yeah I started singing that song and this cloud formed out of nowhere um the cloud like formed out of nowhere and it started and I kept singing and it got bigger and bigger and bigger and it started to rain and I was like cool it works like thank you clouds this is great and then it just kept going and going and going for like I don't know how many days and thus we had the flood and I was just like what's the off song like I don't know so just it's definitely like ooh, dappling in old magic that's not yours you know like you you know like it reminded me to yeah to just have my own relationship with the weather ones instead of seeing the old things that I don't know about um and I know a lot of people were calling water because it was a drought but I was singing the song and saw the cloud form that I feel like started the rain I was just like <laughs> oh god so I'm sorry to everybody that affected <laughs> that was yeah and it was I, I loved it to be honest but yeah <laughs> yeah how many years ago was that now? I don't even remember. Like four or five? Yeah. Maybe longer? I, so long. I don't remember. We've healed since then. Oh, yeah. And it was so good seeing the like fancy town all dirty. It was really nice. But yeah, I like hate to admit 
And I thought that there was something psychologically wrong with me as a kid because I prayed for natural disasters. (laughs) I didn't understand the weight of them, you know, Mm -hmm. but there was something about extreme natural occurrences that I noticed even as a child that it brought people together. Yeah. That it sort of forced community. When we're worried about our own survival, we're kinder to each other sometimes. Right. Right. And like losing your shit is really good sometimes. Like... In the flood, we lost all of our material possessions, except like a guitar. <laughs> I think that was the only thing we saved. We like came back to our apartment and everything was just floating in like six feet of water. <laughs> it was so beautiful. And then, um, and then like I've lost stuff to fires a lot and it's always such a lovely kind of like, oh yeah, yeah. It just all goes back, you know? I'm so triggered as you're saying this. (laughs) I want to like yell and be like, but I don't want to lose things now. Right. I just thought that I would get to a certain point in my life that I didn't have to lose all my possessions. Yeah. It's been such a pattern since I was young because like my parents were drug addicts, you know, so it's like, oh, we have to suddenly move from this place and you have to leave all of your stuff. And then when Child Protective Services took us away, they left we left everything at our mom's and it's just been this constant theme in my life and I like suddenly moved recently and found out my grandparents got rid of all my childhood photos so I have this like weird wounding and grief about material possessions so as Rosie's saying that I can feel my body (laughs) tensing up and it's like this intensity of resistance and I noticed that Whenever my body tenses up and I like want to resist something and put my hands out and protect myself, it's usually, unfortunately, the thing I should like, (laughs) the uncomfort I should probably lean into. That's going to lean in anyways. (laughs) Yeah, that I don't have control over. I just keep wanting to pretend I have control over this. Yeah. And maybe you do, you know. Yeah. For me, it's like I've always been a like live out of a backpack kind of girl. Like we were always travelers, even as kids. And when we traveled is when our family was closest. So for me, it's like traveling means you only have a backpack of stuff. And that means sweetness and closeness of human contact. So I think for me, it has a sweet connotation, like the opposite, you know, like it almost brings, I feel the, the together of humans more than yeah this the home of stuff you know that's so poetic when we lose the material possessions we kind of come closer as beings i mean i think some of us do i was blessed that yeah that that was my experience yeah um so i really am excited to talk to you about placentas because it seems i've said this on quite a few podcasts I'm like, I have a friend who's a birth worker and we talked about how maybe like the species might be evolving or shifting or changing mm-hmm. right now. And the species is always evolving, but it feels like quite a dramatic shift right now. Yeah. And we talked about it and you said you noticed it sort of in the placenta. Yeah. Well, first, will you just kind of break down um, if people aren't familiar with birth work? Like, what is a placenta? What does it do? (laughs) Yeah. So, um, you know, when the baby is conceived, uh, you know, this spiraling ball of cells rolls down the the tube and implants in the uterus, and then it kind of divides into two beings. One is the baby and one is the placenta. So the placenta is this kind of 
you know, physiologically, it's sort of this chunk of meat and veins that has a cord that connects to the baby's umbilicus that brings blood, filtered blood and nutrients from the mom into the baby's liver and then eventually the whole rest of the body, right? Which grows the baby. So the placenta is this organ that transfers nutrients from mom to baby, but it's like also a protective filter. And it looks kind of like a you know, often traditionally what, what placentas looked like was about a dinner plate sized, um, you know, pretty thick chunk of red meat. And on one side is this silvery blue skin and underneath it are these beautiful veins that look like the tree of life. And from those tree of life comes the, the, um, trunk of the umbilical cord that connects to baby. And then on the other side, it's like this, um, very healthy meat, right. Um, that's in these different pieces, Well, these days we're seeing things really differently, right? Almost never do we see placentas that look like that. Um, The veins are looking different. The lobes are looking different. The cords are usually coming out of the side or they're just like weird places. They're implanting differently. And, you know, some of it I think is toxin in the environment, but also I feel like, you know, so the placentas are the guardian angels. Um, They're like, in, in a lot of traditions, placentas are become sort of the guardian angel of the baby, right? Especially as soon as you separate them, they become the one that, you know, walks with the baby through their life. And then when the little one dies, they, you know, guide them home. And so, um, in a physiological sense, they do that too, where they protect the baby from toxins, right? So they take a hit, they're sort of a shield. Um, but when we look at placentas these days, it's more than just toxins that we're seeing be different. We're also just seeing, yeah, the form of them be totally shifted in a way that doesn't have to do with health. And when I I have this connection to the babies that I love, especially before they're born, I feel like I can just tune into them really strongly. And I think I've been able to do this for a while. There came a point a couple years into doing birth work where I... Um, yeah, I just started getting visions from the babies in the birth and they would tell me things and it became real enough that I feel like I very much trust it. You know, like one baby came to me and was like, oh, you know, like my mom is going to bleed a lot and none of your stuff is going to work. And I'm like, well, what do we do? And it was like, well, go out into the back and there are these rose petals and, you know, take them and burn them and give, you know, mix the ash with honey and give it to her and that'll stop it. And sure enough, as soon as the baby was born, this mama just started gushing blood and none of the things I did worked. I tried mine first because like, I know mine worked and they did it. And I gave her a teaspoon of this rose petal ash honey and it like stopped dead in its tracks and she didn't bleed another drop for her whole postpartum. <laughs> so it's like, wow. okay, baby. So things like that, you know, it feels very real. Totally. And when you say you feel this connection with the babies before they're born, how does that connection come in for you? Do you physically see the baby? Do you hear the baby in your sleep? Is it astral projecting? Like, what does it look like? Um, I mean, it sounds like, yeah, I'm a very visual person. Like I, I have visions more than anything else, but also it's just, I feel like I can just put my body on autopilot and just connect with the spirit world sort of. And I feel like in birth, you know, when you're just sort of tuning in because really as a midwife, you shouldn't be doing too much except tuning in. Um, I often encounter the little one there 
And sometimes it's just a voice, but often it's an image. And often it's like some sort of an animal that makes total sense for whatever reason. When we, you know, like the baby that was born a couple days ago showed up as a ram. And then when she was born, she had these two birthmarks where her horns would have been. And I was like, oh, you are the ram. Hi. Wow. I, I feel like I have a sense too sometimes of where they're coming from as well. And especially if I'm resuscitating a little one, I feel like I can see why they don't want to come in and where they're coming from. And I, so part of me feels like the reason these placentas are changing is because we're coming from somewhere else. And that's, you know, my own sort of wacky midwifery brain. But I feel like, you know, oftentimes babies seem to be ancestral from a great, great grandma or, um, you know, just somebody coming from wherever. But these days I've been finding them coming from so far away. And there's sort of two places that I see very occurring. And one is prehistoric, um, which feels silly, but I tune into some of these babies and I just see these like cavemen folk and I'm like, hey, and I wonder also if it's, they're not totally human as in homo sapien, perhaps it's another kind of homo something. Um, You know, there's all these horizontal species to humans or to, you know, like in human evolution that we've been compatible with. So I wonder if some of those genes are coming out more now and shifting placentas. I wish I could have seen what those placentas looked like back then. Yeah. Um, Because I know like animal placentas are all differently shaped. And so I wonder how those different you know, Neanderthal or Denisovan or whatever, those placentas were different. So I see a lot of people coming from that place far away. And then I see people, I see other babies coming from like the cosmic realms. And I'm, I'm not really an alien person (laughs) (laughs) or like, they're just like, not what I'm like. It's not the imagery I'm always called to in this lifetime. And I'm not saying these kids are aliens, but I see like far away galaxies, you know, and I'm just like, oh, like you're like a shooting star landing and it's you know i i'm and i notice that the cosmic babies have certain types of placentas and that the the prehistoric babies have other types of placentas like you know when i see a baby come from those places i see similarities um and yeah it's been really interesting i've seen the cosmic babies have weird implantations of the cord like it takes them they tend to have to like spiral down the veins to actually connect into the placenta um, which and they tend to be like yeah like the cord is just barely connected which means that they're barely kind of coming to earth you know and those are the comic those cosmic are the cosmic babies, babies yeah what i'm calling the cosmic babies yeah because yeah. um, usually the cord implants like solidly into the meat of the placenta but with these the cord then sort of just branches off into the veins that then go into the placenta so i feel like they're not as not as solidly grounded in the earth and have to take a bit more of this spiral sort of DNA looking journey into the placenta, which really the placenta is the mirror of the earth, right? So, um, and then the prehistoric babies tend to have like really, really intense cords, um, like, and really, really intense bags. Like the bag tends to fold in on itself a bunch of times. Like they're making passages through timelines and interesting ways to jump to get here because it's such a far journey whoa um, that's so cool it's, Rosie. it's really fun to watch but it's it's been interesting that it's been consistent where i'm like oh you're one of the prehistoric babies oh yeah there's the fold in your in your amniotic sac so it's yeah. weird but it's it's curious because i i only recently started seeing those ones and they have different types of births too like the cosmic versus the the prehistoric and not all babies are these but a lot more than used to be than I've ever seen, actually. I've, I never met those two before. 
So, wow. And do you have any theories of why a prehistoric baby would be jumping timelines to be in this realm right now? Do you have any just sort of spiritual theories around that? It's not even so much spiritual. I feel like the the prehistoric ones are not homo sapien. I feel like it's a different a different horizontal subspecies and I feel like those ones have really beautiful medicine to bring and I feel like you know the ones coming in they're coming in for a reason and I feel like they're kind of like oh yeah us so that's sort of like this funny horizontal but also forward into this time um decision for those you know perhaps us you know dormant genes to kind of come out a little bit more so that's that would be my guess is that like actually you know maybe however many like hundreds of years ago my ancestors bred with some other species of hominid and that those genes have been latent in me and that might come out in my child or something like that so I actually feel like it's this yeah this interesting calling of different DNA to be honest it's my sense yeah I just want to scream right now for some reason, (laughs) but I won't because your little guy is fast asleep in the next room. Wow. You were talking about the prehistoric species in that, that they may be bringing some sort of magic and maybe that magic is something that's lying dormant in us currently. What kind of magic do you feel like that would be? Um, I'm not totally sure. I've noticed that these babies are super slow. They have long labors and they cannot be rushed, you know, otherwise they are in distress. So like a different pace, I think slowing down of our super fastness, which is so important to be paying attention. So I feel like extremely aware, but slow. And I feel like there's a gentleness that comes from those ones as well. You know, there's like, I feel like with them, it's just like the very grounded, earthy, you know, antidote to our modern society of like, go, go, go. And, um, you know, and and I think that that's, you know, not to be silly, but I, I feel like the fastness of the material capitalist age has done such a disservice to everything. We don't see anything anymore. So I feel like these ones are bringing the slow medicine and part of me for a while was like, are these turtle babies? Like, like, are my turtle babies coming in? And then it was just like, no, not turtle. Like they're just human. Like they're just the more human than we are. You know, we've become so cyborgish and we move, move so fast and they're kind of a back to the earth a little bit, but I feel like the cosmic babies are different. So I'm, I'm curious what the interbreeding of those two is going to do. <laughs> Whoa, that is wild to yeah. think about the interbreeding of the two. Yeah, the which co- is what I think the, the earth is, the medicine is, is their children, like those two, which I'm excited to be a grandma and see what that is. <laughs> yeah, wow. What do you feel like the cosmic magic is and what are their births like? So if the prehistoric births are slower, sort of heavier... What's the cosmic? Yeah, I feel like the cosmics are like hard and fast. I feel like they tend to be like like lightning, like really intense and really fast, um, especially towards the end. They tend to just like explode out no matter how slow mama's trying to go. Um, yeah, they're like interesting lightning or like shooting stars coming to earth, you know? Yeah, 
I feel like I know some people who are at least uh, part alien. <laughs> and when I say alien, I just mean sort of from this cosmic no, I'm, I'm down. energy and not so much grounded in the earth. Uh-huh. And what I sense about the alien people is they move so fast. So fast. But it's like almost on a different, like, I, I don't totally know your way of speaking about timelines, but it yeah. feels like they, they move on a different timeline. They have a relationship to time that's way different. So like the prehistoric guys are like slow earth time and the cosmic guys are like super fast star time. And yeah, and also like amazing communicators. Like these are babies who are like immediately doing elimination communication because they don't want to be wet. Like they're just very intelligent, very, have like a sense of dignity very quickly and yeah. they communicate it. Like they're like, here's what I need. And this I feel like even when we're talking about the cosmic people, we're talking really fast. Yes, totally. <laughs> I know. Um, what do you mean by elimination communication? It's it's just a thing where you don't do diapers with babies. You, um, you know, when they, you figure out what their way of telling you that they need to pee or poo is and you put them on the potty. And pretty quickly, they just start doing it themselves. Um, so, like, I had my little one out of diapers at around six months, and it was awesome. And it just, like, allows you to communicate better. But, like, these babies are, like, three days, and they're just like, I don't want to be in a dirty diaper. Like, I don't like this. You're putting me on the potty now. <laughs> like, they're just, like, odd consciousnesses, like, not infants, you know? Yeah. That's so wild. I've taken care of a lot of babies, and I'm... And I feel like they do communicate with you. Like, yeah. you know when they're of course. about to go. Yeah. Do you think on a spiritual level that there can be benefit to this elimination? Communication? I think every baby's different, right? Like, I know people that are, like, super into it. And then, you know, they have, like, four kids. And they've done it with all three kids. And then the fourth one, they just... That baby won't tell them when they need a poo. They just are just chill and don't really care. And I feel like some of the prehistoric babies probably won't care that much about sitting in a diaper with pee in it for a second like I think like they're not quite as dignified not like in a sense of like that being better or worse but they're not as like prideful isn't the word either there's another word for it but um I think elimination communication is wonderful when you can do it because then you're you're learning to speak each other's language faster and the faster you can give language to little ones the you know the easier it is you two can understand each other and what your needs are so yeah I think that's great if it is possible that's so cool I'm I can't get this like imagery out of my head of one species coming from the cosmos and one being more of this prehistoric earth energy I feel like it would be such a cool cartoon yeah totally (laughs) I want to see art of this how do you feel with these cosmic babies who are coming in with this potent consciousness who seem who are moving really fast has it been an interesting thing to observe watching these cosmic babies in relationship to their parents or to mama yeah it's been super interesting to observe they tend to be like a little bit more um I don't want to say harder but it's like the earth babies just sink in and they like bring the mama or the parent like with them, like ground them with them. And the cosmic babies just have so many needs, um, which are all like valid, good needs. But it's just a, it's like a, a steep learning curve for the parents, you know, to be like, oh, and then you need this. OK, and then you need this and then OK, got it. Like and then there's another thing. 
which is awesome that they're so communicative. And I've been blessed to see a lot of parents that are really listening. Um, and I find that when they don't, that they get really fussy babies. Yeah. So these two species feel really good to me. Yeah. When you talk about it, it gives me hope for the planet. It does to me too, actually. Like as soon as I realized that these two are coming in, I had this sense of like, oh, I can die now. Like I realized that whatever species I am is not what they are. And that like part of my job is just like, you know, kind of like the cleaning lady for the new people coming into the house. And I'm excited about these new people, you know, and it made me feel very not like, oh, I can die happy because like my species is obsolete, but a little bit, you know, just, oh, there's growth and I'm, I'm, I'm part of the old wave and that feels really sweet, you know? Yeah. And I think even right now there's different species, very different magic, very different species. And I wonder if these new species coming in will help us like evolve as a species, Mm -hmm. if we can be living, because it feels like our DNA is rapidly shifting right Right. now too, just with us Mm -hmm. and that we are evolving as species. But I don't know if that means we'll all just die out or if we (laughs) can evolve as, as we exist. Right. Yeah. And I kind of feel like we're evolving as we exist. Yeah, I think so too. And yeah. I and I totally resonate with what you were saying about uh, the prehistoric being like the turtle magic, and that's one of the first things I told you when I landed into your realm recently. I was like, Rosie, I am a tortoise. <laughs> I feel like this giant big like everyone else is having hot girl summer right now, <laughs> and I feel like I'm looking at people at the beach and at pools and doing going camping and going to the club and I feel like this big tortoise that's like placed in a town (laughs) and when I get somewhere it takes me days to move like I'll come visit you or come stay here and I don't leave for five days at Uh least and then I run an errand somewhere else to a friend's house and I think I'm just picking something up and then I'm there (laughs) for five days I I love it because when I got here, you gave me a tortoise shell for my altar uh-huh. to embrace the tortoise magic. <laughs> Will you say more about the tortoise magic? Um, I mean, I've had a lot of babies that feel like little turtle babies. And it's funny because I had at like maybe a month ago, I found a bunch of like actual turtle babies. And then I just found the mama like a couple weeks ago and she's huge. She's like maybe like two feet in diameter and I've just never seen a tortoise like that in Colorado or I guess I don't know if she's a tortoise or a turtle but yeah I love the turtles I feel like they're deep ancestral magic right they move slow they are one of the oldest beings you know they've been around longer than almost any other being um they carry their home on their back their home is made out of shell which is bone which is earth you know um and the way that they do their their you know how they bury their their eggs they do it backwards like they they deposit the eggs and then they kick backwards and it's like you know the the new is in the old in some ways like they you know the way that like dung beetles you know have their babies in poop and so they're somehow the birth from death I feel like turtles are the future from the past you know because their babies come from what is behind them and then the moms continue on and don't look back ever. And I also love that the turtles are have no relationship with their parents. 
Like the shells are laid and then they never see their parents again, you know, or if they do, it's happenstance. And I know that's true of sea turtles. And I think it's true of most tortoises too. They're just like completely of the earth. Like they don't need their own kind to feel well. They're just the hermits. And I love that. They're just like the hermits that hold the pulse on the past. And it's so good. It's kind of like breech babies today. Like I love them. Yeah. Wow. They don't need any of their own kind to feel well. Yeah. And I think that's a beautiful mantra of like not needing your own kind to be well. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about death doula energy. Mm -hmm. What do you feel like it takes to be a death doula? I mean, I just think it's the ability to be quiet. (laughs) It's like the same as the, the birth stuff, I feel like. You just be quiet and watch and just be there. For me, it's like I'm a very, I like to work. So I'm always like changing the sheets and doing the things to make people comfortable and wiping a lot of butts and that kind of stuff of elders. But I ultimately, I think sitting vigil with somebody at the death space is um, just about deeply tuning into the quietude. And, um, And for me personally, like I have ritual that I do to make sure that the body, the spirits left the body and all these things. So I have some tools that I use, but I don't think it's needed to be a someone who sits with death. You know, I think you just have to not be scared of grief and then you're good. What is the ritual you use or what are some of the rituals you do in death? Yeah, I mean, I was taught um, by a grandma as a young one how to like make sure that the spirit isn't clinging onto the energy centers and you know it's like the energy centers or chakras or whatever you want to call them like turn a certain way and you can really feel if somebody's stuck in one and you turn it the other way and get them the hell out of there and then lock it by turning it back so when you say turn it what do you mean by that it's hard to explain without like a visual but like if i have somebody lying on a table and i do this with like roadkill that i find too but to say you have someone lying on a table who's just passed I'll go up the body. I'll start at like the the low for so that we understand we're speaking the same language. I'll start at the lower chakra, right? And I'll see which way it's turning. I'll feel if it feels like there's presence there. For me, I see if there's presence there. And if there's not, it's cool. And I just move up, you know, up the body. And I often find people stuck in the pelvic chakra. And I think that's partly because that's one of the last places for heat to leave. Because um, I, I feel like when you die, like... It's different for everybody, you know, but I feel like oftentimes like you don't know you're dead for a little bit and you like really try to get back in the body because I see oftentimes like this struggle of like, you know, even the most peaceful deaths of people who know they're dying or whatever. It's still like this struggle of breath and gasping and whatever. And I feel like a lot of that's just the spirit trying to get back in the body. So I I usually kind of tough love it a bit and kick it out. And um, and then I feel like there's a, a cord that connects the person's spirit to the body and I um I sever the cord and make sure that I'm seeing it go up and the person just goes up and follows that cord and to me that's kind of the spirit of the placenta that is that cord you know and it it kind of guides them where they need to go but I make sure that it's not no longer connected to the physical um because I've I've seen some folks get stuck because of that and I just I'm just not, that's not what we need here, you know, so. Yeah, when you say folks have gotten stuck, what does that mean and what does that look like? Um, And I mean, this is my own 
experience of it, right? I think, you know, death is different for everybody. You are the authority <laughs> for pod right now. Yeah. So, I mean, I remember one time sleep, I was doing only a little bit of death work at this point, but I was sleeping at a friend's house and we had a candle burning and we were sleeping in the woods and I woke up with a start and saw this man in the room but he was a spirit he was not a a corporal man and he was kind of this white probably in his 80s sort of techie guy with like a button-down shirt and glasses and he was going to the light and he's like is this where I go and I was just like oh honey no you gotta go away like this isn't like you can hang with the light tonight but this is not the place for you to stop you gotta go where your people are just go somewhere else find your way and since then I made it a point to really figure out how to guide folks back and and then I moved to a country where there was a lot of death and I saw lots of murder and death and I got really good at really quickly zooming people out of here (laughs) I can resonate with that feeling of like frantically trying to get back into your body yeah I've had really intense dreams and I don't know if I'm just floating around the astral realm or if I'm just dreaming that I'm dying or if I'm just like cutting off from this plane. But I know that frantic, or I feel like I know that frantic feeling of getting, like having to get back into my body now. Right. Yeah. And I think like this culture is so anti-surrender, you know? Oh yeah. And that it's really hard. Like it's almost harder to die than it is to birth, but it's both are hard places <laughs> just because we're so like tight on control and like holding on and getting a hold of yourself and not surrendering to any of the human experiences of grief, pleasure, birth, death, whatever it is, you know? Why so, do you think it's so hard for us to surrender? I think because it's not safe, you know? And that was the thing I found in my own birth was like, why is this so fucking hard? I know what to do. And then it was like, all oh, right, it's not safe to do that in this culture where we move so fast and we're treated the way we are and we don't hold each other. There's no village. So I think that that's why, but we have to just do it anyways because this, the the magic of surrender is so much bigger than the power of safety um, and the magic of safety. I feel like surrender is more important. So we got to prioritize that even if it's hard, you know? Yeah. I feel like surrender, I can logically tell myself, you're safe, Lacey. Surrender now. Open up to this experience. That's such a different thing than the tightness like that's happening in my body. Yeah. And sometimes that's why I won't even get a period. It's like I'm not surrendering to the flow because it doesn't feel safe enough to even bleed. Right. Or it doesn't feel safe enough to be fertile. I talked to a lady who owns a colonic company, and she talked to me about how trauma survivors, um, when they get a colonic, which is like this tube going up your butt that gets out the heavy waste material in your body and it's very rare for nothing to come out but sometimes the trauma survivors nothing will come out and they're just like pumping all this water in and nothing will come out and she said it's because of that energy of not being able to surrender even though they paid two hundred dollars to be there and they want it they can't like they don't know how to like on a subconscious level surrender right and I feel like a lot of it has to do with how we treat our kids and 
um, you know, it's just society in general, but I remember going to a cranial sacral therapist and I don't get body work. Like I don't really see healers. It's not my way because it doesn't feel safe often because of just my past, but also just because it's just not my way. But I saw a cranial sacral therapist and she, you know, just held my feet and it took so long for my body to like consent to that. And even though my mind was like, yes, 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 I want the thing. Um, I felt like I hadn't, hadn't relaxed since I was like a very young child and it makes total sense. You know, I feel like most of us haven't, like most of us never completely relax. Yeah. Why do you feel like you didn't relax? I mean, childhood trauma, you know, I feel like I was treated, uh, I mean, I definitely have like child, young childhood molestation, like, uh, experiences, but I also just feel like some cry it out stuff. I feel like even just really small things like that, I feel like betrays some of our ideas of what it meant to come in to somebody, you know? Completely. Yeah. Do you have any ideas of how we can lean in to the surrender energy? Um, I like part of me feels like we need to be confronting fear and pain a little bit differently and not confronting in like a battle way, but like learning to dance with it and like marry it and accept it and love it. Um, and I don't mean like in a sadistic kind of way. I just mean like, um, like you're welcome to come if you want to, because I know that that'll transform into something else, you know? And I feel like that would, that'll help. Um, because like often safety has to do with those two things. And I feel like, like, how do we surrender? I feel like, yeah, I don't know. When you said we need to dance with the fear, as soon as you said that, my body was like, ah, oh, yeah, dance. I surrender when I dance. Yeah, totally. When I tap into music and the vibration of it and physically move my body, it takes a while. I just remember going to other countries and dancing yeah. and how magnificent that can be. It's amazing. And how much grief I felt when I came back to Denver, Colorado mm-hmm. from being overseas because you go dance here and so and I know this isn't all of it but especially at this time when I was traveling I came back and it was so much just like grinding like I would be I'd go see a band and guys would like literally grab my hips and start like thrusting behind me (laughs) and I was like we have no idea how to dance in our culture yeah totally and I mean there's so many like the old old cultures all have methods of dancing for releasing um, any pent-up emotion, you know, anger, fear, grief, anything, like shaking and dancing is the way we do it, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, I think we dance. I feel like there's only a few places where we even dance. There's, like, salsa classes. (laughs) There's, like, specific cultural classes where you, like, learn form. Right. And then there's go get drunk and party and celebrate dance Mm -hmm. and like hook up with people but I don't know of a lot of dancing just in general in our everyday culture where it's like oh someone died in our community let's come together and have a dance of grief there is something like that here there's like the ecstatic dance movement but But it's also like it's also weird because they they move energy in ways that's not conscious all the time and doesn't end up 
being safe or closure or like, I don't know, there's a lot it, left to, yeah, to that one. Sorry, I keep wanting to, I kept Go wanting to it. interrupt you with Do the it. static dance because I have such an aversion to a static dance communities just because mm-hmm. I've been to a few and like, I don't know. It was just like a lot of people on Molly, which I think is fine, I guess. But it just felt, again, like huge sexual undercurrent and an undercurrent of like competition rather than focusing our energy on a sense of emotion. Like, hey, we're going to process rage today. Right. Is the static teens you're talking about, do they process they do. emotion? There's, I mean, there's like a modality called the five rhythms and it's really not my way. Like, I think it, there's a lot that it needs to grow because when I go there, I like see energy being moved in ways that I'm like, not quite, <laughs> like almost, y'all, but not quite, which is, you know, it's not for me to say without having an alternative, but um, they have like music that actually brings those things out. And so you're dancing, speaking to those. And there's definitely been times where there's been deaths in the community and and people are called to move it with dance and so I think it's an attempt at it but it's definitely like one of our little American attempts at things and I've seen it be good medicine sometimes yeah I have a bad habit of just shitting on my spiritual (laughs) communities I wouldn't call them spiritual so much but yeah I I shit on that community a lot actually so yeah do you feel like our DNA is shifting right now, like Lacey and Rosie's DNA? I do. Lacey and Rosie. Yeah, I have like a strong belief in horizontal DNA evolution, right? So I feel Will like, you tell us what that is? Yeah, I mean, I think there's like the idea of vertical evolution, right? Of like, I have a baby with this person and then our offspring is like this vertical evolution of something else, right? But I feel like there's a lot of horizontal evolution as well, which we know, Um where we just shift as we are. And I think the viruses and the bacteria that were around shift us quite a bit. And I also just think us as beings are not static. And I don't think DNA is static at all. I mean, it's not. So yeah, I think we're constantly evolving. And I've noticed in myself, like just on a magic level that like I can shift things really easily with just, you know, manifestation or intention of my hair is this color or my height is this or my whatever is this. And that's not static. I can change that. Yeah. So you think we can change how we look, like our physical bodies? Look, feel the illnesses within us, the healths within us. Yeah. I feel like that's all kind of within our control, to be honest, not to like put that on anybody, but I, I do feel like that's ours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the way that we can control the weather, we are also sort of just a weather system as a being, you know, and can shift all those things too. That's so cool. So if I want my hair to be lilac, which is the color <laughs> I'm really feeling to my hair right now, um, how do I manifest that? I think, I don't know, it's different for everybody, but I think you just start seeing yourself that way. You just start like... When you see yourself, see your hair is lilac and that's what it will be. I wanted my hair to get darker so that I could blend in a bit more because I used to have like bright red hair and it's like brown now. <laughs> like I've become a lot more blend-in-y, which now I'm like, I think I want it red again and I'm noticing the roots like getting light again. So <laughs> it's interesting. That's so but, cool. Yeah. I mean, which is a little bit less dramatic than lilac, but I think you can do it. <laughs> I know. I want to do it without bleaching it. <laughs> On an energetic, emotional level, Rosie, what do you kind of feel like is happening in the U.S. right now? I mean, it's hard to say, but I just feel like we're bombarded with unmetabolized grief and hungry ghosts, and we're moving too fast to even understand what's happening or to even try to understand what's happening. 
and at the same time we're evolving so fast horizontally that I feel like yeah I feel like we are not paying attention to any of our emotions on a on a societal level right now we're just moving too fast to even look at them so I don't know it's kind of a bleak answer really but yeah no I don't think it's bleak and I think that's another clue of how do we tap into this sacred energy of surrender Mm. and I feel like for me one way to tap into this surrender is to slow down yeah it's really hard to surrender if we're moving fast right since I've been on your property I go out on your porch and lay naked in the sun Mm -hmm. and that to me feels like a total surrender Mm. and last week I did it and then half of my body inflamed (laughs) and it was on the right side and to me that's just a messenger that it's connected to the masculine and inflammation to me feels like repressed anger to be inflamed passion a lot of times for me inflammation feels connected to anger towards like sex Mm -hmm. like um because it's like passion Uh red energy do you have any theories about the masculine and feminine right now i feel like yeah i feel like neither are in their like balanced selves right now and we're like again we're just like moving too fast to even understand what that means or to feel what that means to feel the grief of what we're not doing so I feel like yeah some somehow underground or under it all the masculine and the feminine are having this beautiful dance and that above ground we're just kind of like freaking out on the sort of like imbalanced tips of all those things yeah I like that you said that. I feel like there's this energy of who we are on the surface, Mm -hmm. but sort of in the astral in our sleep, I believe we're doing work together, energetic work together. And I also resonate with this energy of doing something underground, like that there's emotions and feelings happening and that maybe we even sort of shut off a little bit to function in the 3D, to function in society. But that on an energetic level, it feels like there are different versions of ourself doing galactic work. Right. I think that's true. I mean, like I was saying, like in birth, I sometimes just autopilot myself so I can just kind of tap into the spiritual realm. And I feel like we've kind of all like many times over autopiloted ourselves, you know, and to the point where we don't really know how to get back a lot of times. Um, but that those beings doing work in other places are real and good and or bad or whatever really not good and bad but that there is work being done in all the realms on the part of humans you know so yeah that's fucking dope (laughs) thank you for being here rosie (laughs) yeah thanks for having me Lacey. is there an herb that's showing up for you lately or an herb you'd like to tell us about I gosh, I mean like so many herbs. What was the tree you were talking about earlier tonight? Linden. That's the one that's in bloom right now. Oh yeah. Well I was talking about the pine tree. But oh, you can yeah. tell us about Linden. We could do pine too. I I've been using this like Linden moisturizer on my face and I love it. I mean I be, I feel like they're so different. So like the Linden is in bloom right now and Linden is the heart opener, right? Like it's a external diaphoretic, so it actually like opens up your pores and allows sweat to come out and it physically opens the heart. 
And it's, um, so when we have like pent upness or that kind of like winter stuckness from just introversion or just deep work, it's what allows us to take that exhale into the world to just move stuck energy. And I've just been putting it in my water lately because they're so yummy and they're so good. And, um, the leaves are heart shaped, right? Just such a lovely, it's just the heart opener plant and, and the bark is so soft and it's just such a sweet, it's such a sweet one. So it's blooming everywhere right now. And I love Linden. <laughs> yes. and, and it also like sequesters cortisol from the blood. So it like, you know, the... I didn't know that. It's so good. And it so, you know, our, our moving fast so much. We're always in stress. We're always stressed. You know, we're always in this sympathetic nervous system space. And it actually like kind of chills us out a little bit in a way that it's like, oh, you don't have that hormone anymore. Like, it's okay. You're good. <laughs> you know, so I feel like it's a really lovely one for just the exhale you know totally yeah but the pine's pretty cool too now it's happening i don't i feel like linden is doesn't really have a gender to me but pine is masculine in a lot of ways at least right now it is in the masculine part of its stance and so up the hill from us there's a bunch of lodgepole pine and then on the other side there's ponderosa and all of the the pollen is coming off now so when the breeze blows through the forest there's just these clouds of gold that move through the through the woods and the pine pollen is the closest herb the closest plant uh simile to testosterone right so when men get a little older and have those dips in energy late in the day it's lower testosterone the best herb for it is pine pollen and it really is like immediate or like if you have low sperm motility um it's amazing pine pollen is what's up so i feel like for you know bringing out the divine masculine i feel like just going up to the trees right now and just gently tapping them and bathing yourself in that gold dust is so good you know it's like the the golden sun child <laughs> I feel like it's the divine masculine in the most beautiful way hallelujah yeah <laughs> i love it thank you for your wisdom rosie this <laughs> yeah. was very fun yeah and i will put in the description how people can find you <laughs> And Rosie does energetic consultations and herbal consultations, birth and death consultations over the phone. Thank you for being here, Rosie. Yeah, thanks for having me. I love you. I love you too. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Who are the witches? Where do they come from? Maybe your great great grandmother was one. Witches are wise, wise women, they say. And each and every one of us are witches today.
thank you guys for listening to Horror Pod. If you want to book a reading with me, you can go to my website, laceyfree.com, or follow me on Instagram at laceyisfree for more of my poetry, and I'll start doing more lives on there about energy and herbs. If you have questions about herbs or about sex or your own superpowers, or you want to do a healing session with me, laceyfree.com is a great place for that. If you want to support HorrorPod, I now have a Patreon. My Patreon is Lacey is Free. And you can pay $5, $10, or $20. It's, it's just a pay what you can because I really want to break down hierarchy. It's just to help support HorrorPod, honestly. It's to help me make these episodes. The Patreon is more to support this. So only do it if you feel called to it and thank you for your support. I love you and I'm sending you all sacred fucking rage and love.